Most people who teach business have never been in business because they're teachers. My oldest son works in financial services and his normal work environment is 20 people in one room. They all work in one room, no walls, no offices. They collaborate. They've been working the last year and a half. He says that they are 70% as efficient as they used to be because they don't have the collaboration. Everything has to be learned by every person every time instead of sharing collective learning during their time in, in that one room where they're working together. As a serial entrepreneur, I'm always trying to evolve. Having great conversations with other high performers is one of the best ways to grow, not only in business, but also in spirit, health, and relationships. This is Svencast. Listen, grow, repeat. We are live with Howard Brock. Howard, welcome. Hey, thanks very much, Sven. Yeah, I still have a swollen cheek uh, because of my surgery. I might look a little bit funny. But um, that's okay, I guess. So, Howard, uh, you are helping us at Digistore24 with your leadership uh, in the operations department. So you're overseeing all the operations uh, at Digistore24. You have been a uh, chief executive officer at Farm Credit Financial Partners. And you have been a CIO, a chief information officer at Sterling, Sterling National Bank. You have been managing director in the insurance industry, and you are also a professor at Fordham University. That's quite an accomplishment. What, what are you doing at Fordham exactly? What are you teaching? Sure. So I started teaching at Fordham. Actually, I started teaching at New York University about 15 years ago. Uh, I, I started doing it one night a week. Um, and I was interested in, in talking to business uh, students about real life experiences. Uh, when I took my MBA, um, there was a lot of theory and there was a lot of uh, practice cases, um, a lot of writing, but there weren't enough people that talked about the real life. What, what really happens? What do I need to know as I become a manager and a leader in an organization? And what I wanted to give back to people was that 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 experience those those experiences sharing experiences and sharing thoughts about what i've learned over the last 30 30 years or so and so my classes are about 25 percent theory and 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 uh, practice and 75 percent really talking about experiences what we learn from them how to analyze situations um and and how to think like like a leader um, in, in situations that you'll likely face in your careers. So it's something I really, really enjoy. I get out of a class and if it's been a good, I can always tell if it's a good class or a bad class. If the, the students are engaged, I feel like I've really done a great job. And, and, uh, I just come out with this really very high feeling. And I know that, you know, you can't always perform at your best. And sometimes the classes aren't so good. And we've talked about theory and I could tell the, you know, I passed the information on and we shared but it wasn't that same energy. So, you know, I always try to strive for those, those situations where we, we, the class comes out engaged, that, that people stay around to continue talking about it. Then I know I've done a good job and I feel good about, about uh, that experience. Oh, that's very interesting because like there is this notion about um, like, there's like, especially among business people, among entrepreneurs and even um, with a lot of YouTubers, um, a lot of them say, "Hey, um, as an if you want to become an entrepreneur, 
you don't need college, you don't need university, you don't need a degree, it's just a waste of time. Some go even as far as saying, oh, it's a scam, you know, this whole uh, university is a scam and you get no no real knowledge. And so there might be a point to it that some things can be too theoretical and not, um, let's say, not, not practical enough, not applicable enough. Um, like, where does that gap come from, in your opinion? Um, I think one, one of the things is that probably most people who teach business have never been in business because they're teachers. This is, this right. is something. And, um, but if you look at the theory, um, how applicable is the theory in your opinion? Like, like, because you know all the stuff that they have to learn and some, yeah. some of it, of course, you can probably, let's say, shape or decide about, but there's also like the standard theory that people have to learn. And do you think it's useful or what, what's your take on that? Well, I think it's like anything else. The more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. And so, you know, my, when early in my career, uh, I started out as a programmer and early in my career, I realized that I wanted to become a business executive. And I thought about what is it going to take to run a large organization, to run something complex? And, and sure, you can absolutely learn that in, in other ways. Um, and, and part of, and be honest with you, part of going for an MBA is a little bit about getting your resume, you know, it's, it's what's on the piece of paper, but that's, that's a, a small portion of it. Um, it. It really is what you want to get out of it. So when I was taking my MBA, I was the person sitting in the front of the class. I was the, 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 the right in the very front of the class, and I would, would really ask the professors a lot of questions. I was really engaged. I was less interested in the book and less interested in, in the homeworks and the exams, um, but I really wanted to get that, that knowledge and experience in a broad range of disciplines that I knew I was going to need to run a large organization. Um, now, could I have learned that another way? Sure, I could have, uh, uh, and I have uh, sought out mentors throughout my career. I've done independent reading and, and, uh, and research. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that the only path is through a formal education, but if you want to become smarter, more experienced, you have to put the effort in one way or another. Now, are there some professions and some skills that, that you know, th those things may not be as important? Sure. Um, you know, there, there are folks that are, are really great creative thinkers. And while I don't think it would hurt you to, to uh, uh, broaden your experience and your understanding, some people just are really good creative thinkers. Some people are really good at relating to other people and can, can understand, let's say, marketing components or, or the sales um, uh, process. But even in those professions, um, I don't think it would hurt you to, to go out and do your research and your learning and put the effort in to, to want to get better. So for me, it was a series of a lot of things, a lot of self-education, a lot of seeking out mentorships, but I also enjoyed the formal education. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, it, it, it is a pretty thing to put on your resume for sure. Um, and, but there are, there is, there is value if you put into it. I've got students who are clearly only doing it to put it on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that, well, that's fine. They're paying their money to get that on a piece of paper, but they're not getting the experience. They're not 
you know, they're not growing the way I see other students growing. Okay, so you would say it's follow. Some people can like get their thing for the piece of paper, and some people can actually do something with it. Um, do you think the knowledge is useful that you learn with an MBA, or is it really just a piece of paper? Or do you think that every would you recommend like every business person having an MBA? Again, I don't think it's for everybody. Uh, the things that I learned are, you know, super, you know, besides just just practical, right? So, I, so I know a lot about accounting. I know a lot about marketing. I know a lot about strategy formulation. I know, you know, how to uh, create an organization um, and all the things you would need to do from uh, an HR and a leadership and a management experience. So there is a ton of just practical knowledge that I learned over over the years that um, as they also gave me the basis to be able to analyze. So I come into a situation in business, I can now think of it in a, in an analytical way um, and, you know, de decompose a situation and say, all right, um, here's a situation. What does it mean? What are the likely underpinnings? What strategies would I, would I try to formulate or how would I f identify the, the strategies or the activities or the opportunities? So you do learn a, a ton of very, very practical things in addition to just having the, the experience. So like I said, it's not for everybody. Um, I found it very useful, um, and uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad that I did. And I, but I also, you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to be able to take later in my career the opportunity to give back and to be a professor. And, and to take this knowledge that, that uh, I learned both in, in school and through mentorships and through experiences. Okay, <clears throat> so can you give me an example of, for example, what you learned uh, from your experience, like a problem that you have solved that you wouldn't find in any MBA book or textbook or schoolbook? Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It, it, it all, as, you, as I know you that you know, because we've talked for many, for many, many, many uh, months, um, that the people, it, it, it always, almost always, not, not 100%, but it almost always comes back to the people. Do you have the right people? Are they engaged? What do they need to succeed? What is impeding their success? Um, what can I do to develop them? Almost all uh, organizations that are successful come down to, to having uh, the, the people solution solved. And while you can learn a lot of theory um, about people, um, you have to experience it, right? You have to know and, and see and be able to have empathy and to be able to look in somebody's eyes and, and, and say, you know, they may be saying one thing, but what are they, what are they thinking? What do they really mean? And, and so that's something where, yeah, you can get some nice theory about it and it's good to understand, but being able to, to work with people, to understand people, to motivate them, to be a, a, a leader for them, You know, that's something that really comes through experience, um, empathy, um, uh, really a, a sense of caring. Um, without that, it's, it's, it would be hard to do, be successful with that from the book, I think. Mm -hmm. I see. But um, then you still have to teach it and you still have to bring it across. So let's say, let's say you want to teach someone empathy. How do you do that? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, look, you can give them all the all the theory you want. I mean, if they're, they, you know, they, there's got to be something innate in, in them, I think. Uh, 
um, that that says I I want to care. I mean, I've I've known lots of leaders that at large organizations that I know don't care about the people, um, mm. and they of course publicly they say that because it's the right thing to say, but because I work with them, you know, in in the boardroom or wherever else. I know that's not what they believe, and it's it's hard to fool people on that. It's it's uh, you, if you could say it publicly, but you don't really believe it. Um, I found it really hard to 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 get the people to follow you in the way that that you like them to, without really believing it, believing that people people matter, and and and, and their success is is their personal success is is what what's going to help everyone succeed. Do you are you referring to people, meaning employees in the company, or are you referring to customers, or both, or? Yeah, I think either one, right? Uh, there's, there's. It's interesting because uh, the theory of of uh, corporations constantly changes, and you know the theory of who's the most important person in an organization. Uh, up until you know, even through my MBA, the most important person in an organization was a shareholder. Everything mm -hmm. was about returns to the shareholder. That was the way we taught business through the 80s, 90s. You know, it was only the last 15 years when when we we've sort of switched. And the first switch was from shareholders to customers. It was about the most important um, person in the, in the organization was a customer. And if you satisfy the customer, everyone else will be will be taken care of. And the theories is even switching now. The, the a lot of current management theory is about the employees. That yeah. if you make the employees happy, then the customers and the shareholders and the the community will be will be satisfied. So it's it's really funny how it's gone from shareholders to customers now to employees. Um, and and not saying you should ignore anybody else, but uh, it is interesting how we've changed our thinking as we've evolved and been more reflective on how to be how to run an organization. Yes, that's very interesting. At Digistore 24, I personally put the employees first. And I did not learn that from any textbook or so. It was and I'm happy that actually textbooks are following this as well, so I'm of course I'm happy to be kind of right. And the reason for that is I believe like you, you know the uh, hen and the egg problem, you know, like What comes first? Um, do like ultimately we want happy customers, of course, ultimately because they're paying us, of course. But how do we produce that? That's kind of my thinking about it. How do we produce happy customers? Well, we need to make those people happy who cater to the customers. So because only if you're happy yourself, you can make other people happy. You know, like if I. If I'm really sad, it's hard to crack a joke to make other people laugh, you know, so I'm better like in a funny mood myself to make other people laugh. So I was like, okay, um, our team comes first. Let's make them happy first. And then with the customers, we'll, we'll figure it out because it's also a lot of like communication skills and how you, how you're framing things. Yeah. For example, so we have we have some software bugs from time to time, which every software company has. With us, it's not as dramatic as, for example, a car comp company where people are having accidents or something. 
Um, but with us, it's still like, oh, if you don't see the right numbers in the analytics, then it's bad, et cetera, for marketing campaigns, et cetera. Um, this can happen. Um, but it's like we have to communicate well. And then ultimately, like from my experience, the customers, so the, the affiliates and vendors, um, they understand if they feel like if they feel updated accordingly and um if they and they understand it's a software that's a software as a service is, is never done it's like it's a constant development but it's really about the team and the people and they have to be happy to have that stamina to um be with the company for years and years and make everybody everybody happy ultimately and it's like it's also like in a team of people when one is really sour and super unhappy, then he eventually also makes other people unhappy. So that otherwise would be happy. So it's really like, like this whole happiness thing for me personally is really a priority. It's really important. And I, I also don't think it's that complicated. It's more about like respecting and caring about the people, you know, respecting them, caring about them, and treating them as, as human beings and not seeing them as some kind of how you call some kind of resource and it's uh, like the name for example hr human resources um is is, a, is kind of a weird name for me to be honest because it's like they're not just resources they're people we were we are doing something for people with our people this is how I uh, personally see it. And I think this will then in the long run, maybe not in the short run, long run but in the long run, uh, create more success in practice. And um, so, yeah, I like that uh, theory a lot. Um, so did you feel like businesses are adapting to that? Like uh, when you say this is like the, the newest, uh, let's say, management theory and uh, uh is that the case? Is that being practiced with like Fortune 500 companies? Is that practiced on in Wall Street banks, etc.? How do you see that? That's a great question. Um, I I I really applaud the younger generation. I think the the younger generation uh, has come into the workforce in the last ten years has made a, one of the biggest impacts I've ever seen my in 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 the in business world. Uh, they have a, a, a criteria for what they think is acceptable and in, in a workplace and what they want from a career. And organizations, uh, if they want to attract and retain the best people, which is almost everybody's motto, every, almost every company, we are going to attract and retain the best people. It's, it's every organization has that as one of their goals. And in order to do that, it's not just about, about paying them. Now, no, nobody, nobody ever feels they're overpaid, so that so people like like to get paid. But uh, the the notion that that work is is a lot more than the place you go for a set amount of time to to earn a living um, is is something that has resonated with with corporate America because they do want to attract you know and retain the best people. In order to do that, you have to give them what they want, and people want a a good experience. They want their work to be an important part of who they are, and they want their organizations they work for to reflect the same values that that they have. Um, you know, I think uh, the pandemic 
has been uh, uh, will forever change the way people work. Uh, you know, DigiStore 24 was an early adopter of of a global remote workforce, being able to find the right people and not be constrained with geography because technology has solved a lot of that. So, you know, that's that's one of the reasons that DigiStore is able to attract a broad set of people from, from a broad set world, which gives us great diversity in thought. Um, that being said, uh, you know, I do think that that we have to think about being together um, physically, uh, that that we can't I'd be concerned if the world swung to this 100 percent remote place because there are a lot of opportunities that are missed through yes. collaboration and personal understanding. Um, I know that my, my oldest son um, works in, in financial services and his normal work environment is 20 people in one room. They all work in one room, no walls, no offices, and they collaborate. And, and, and they've been working the last year and a half. And he says that they are 70% as efficient as they used to be because they don't have the collaboration. Everything has to be learned by every person every time instead of sharing a collective learning during, during those, their, their, their time in, in that one room where they're working um, together. So there's, you know, like anything else, there's learnings. You know, we've had this experience. Let's learn from it. We, we're hearing from our employees what they want. So let's be reflective and say, all right, how can we figure out the right way to, to be most effective in, in uh, creating an organization that's successful, that has people that are, like you said, happy and, and enjoying what they're doing. And, and uh, then they'll want to join with us and, and uh, produce and be part of a successful uh, uh, endeavor. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's really... It has pluses and minuses. Like with us, um, it started like it started as a remote company because we are all people who used to work from home, and we did it, and we were early adopters, and we saw the potential of being able to work from home, um, like way like ten years ago, and that was that was nice for us always because, like the thing that where it's helpful is gives the opportunity to really focus and to manage your energy rather than your time. Because let's say, for example, if I, I used to be very tired after, after lunch, like super tired. And if I'm in an office, I cannot take a nap that w in which like I would be awake then within 10 minutes and be very fresh again and could work the whole day. But I couldn't, but, But if I if I don't do it, then I'm tired for the rest of the day. It's, that's just me. And I later figured out, of course, it it was about carbohydrates and carbohydrates release insulin, and that insulin makes some people really tired, including myself, especially myself. So I'm kind of sensitive to that. But I was really happy to be able to manage my energy because, but because in a, in an office, for example, I couldn't go go to sleep. I mean, no matter, and that doesn't have to do anything with if you're the boss or if you're not the boss. It's just it just feels stupid to to sleep while while everybody else is working. And um, but I I think it's it's right if you 
if you're able to manage your energy and if you're, for example, um, if you feel tired after lunch to take half an hour break afterwards and then restart working. And if you're like, if you're feeling much better, then it's, it's perfect. But this is really not, in my opinion, not really possible to do in, in uh, uh, real life offices where people are together in one room. But um, at the same time, it has its advantage. It's, I feel like when, when we have in-person meetings, those meetings are way more productive than online meetings in, in a lot of ways. And um, also they, they create like that different feeling between each other, like uh, like a positive feeling and somehow like somehow things get done better for some reason. So I think the ideal approach is like to combine it somehow to have some time where you like where you have tasks where you need a lot of col collaboration and you have and, and you have like that as a recurring thing. And then you also have some home office time where you can just go and do your deep focus work. For example, when I write sales texts or when I try to uh, invent a new marketing campaign, I really need that isolation. I really need mm -hmm. to be away from every, anybody because if I'm in the same room and I've tried that also, like I was working in offices also for years and years. And um, when we had the small team in Sofia, but it didn't really work for anything cre creative. And Christian, the same, he was like, oh, I have 10% output if I am in uh, uh, the office. So he went back home, I went back home. <laughs> and this is yeah. what, what so happened. I, I think the, yeah, the world's gonna be different. Uh, I think all companies are gonna figure out something different. Um, uh, I've got a friend who uh, uh, has decided that their go forward position is going to be three days a week in the office where everybody's there. And then two day, you know, two days during the week, they're they're not. No one's going to be there because they feel that that's the right amount of time. And and you know, I, I have another company that I that I have a friend working at is going to rebuild all their offices with no no offices where there's you just go in and you find a place and there's lots of meeting rooms, but you know there's not this this kind of set real estate. You know, like like your old days with your this is where I am whether I decide to come in or mm. not. It's, it's going to be much more fluid, which will be more effective from a real estate management perspective, but also um, you know, give people the opportunity to be not constrained in an office. If I'm going to be there, I want to be there with people. Right? I'm not going to be there mm -hmm. just to shut myself in an office. So if, I, if I'm going to shut myself in the office, I might as well be at home, save my two hours of commute and you know, do, it, do what you did, which is you know, figure out a way to get my most energy during the day, whether it's taking a break or... Uh, or starting early and finishing early or whatever. In the following episode of Svencast, there's a saying that say a culture eats strategy for breakfast. You might've heard that. Oh, sure. So in your opinion, what's the ideal company culture? Universally, if there's not trust, it's really hard to be successful. What does trust mean? It means that people believe management, what management says is what they believe. That that really is, is one element of, of building, building trust. <sighs> If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Svencast again.